Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. see any because all that means they're going to get another uh, terrible human being 
as the owner. I mean, listen, the the, the NBA just got rid of uh, Robert Sarver and the guy Ish Ish Ishbia, I believe his name is. Um, there's already been exposés written about the culture of the companies that he's in charge of with sexual harassment and all that other stuff. So you basically replace Robert Sarver with Robert Sarver. So as far as I'm, listen, all of these owners knew who Daniel Snyder was, and they didn't have a problem with Daniel Snyder being who he was and doing the things he did until it affected their pocket, which says to me that they're just as bad as him. So, okay, you replace Dan Snyder with a more palatable version of another terrible human being. So, listen, the fans in D.C. can be happy and everybody can hoop and holler and pretend that, oh, they've changed. They don't give a damn. They're terrible people. That's why they become owners. So, honestly, it doesn't move me at all. Well, the one thing I will say about this franchise, and to your point, uh, for the local fans, if there had been some that have walked away and said, I don't want to have anything else to do with this team, as long as he is the owner, hopefully they can get the fans, uh, some of those fans to come back. We do know that when Washington is playing well, and they did not do that this year, but we do know they can draw and show up for that team. So, you know, hopefully they'll have some exciting football at some point uh, back in the nation's capital. Uh, you know, shout out to Eric Bierdeme going over there. It's still sad that he had to. Uh, but shout out to him going over there as the offensive coordinator in D.C. Um, other stories, tomorrow night we have the two playing games for the uh, number eight seeds. Chandler will hit the other ones in a minute, but your thoughts on either one of these, if you want to pick them, we got the Miami Heat. Um matching up against the Chicago Bulls. And then in the nightcap tomorrow night, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, matching up against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Your thoughts on either one of these games or just this playing process? And before you do, the one thing that I will say is I believe that at least in two, but I want to say in three of the four play-ins, the loser of that 7-8 game has gone on to lose uh, that second game against whoever won that nine ten game. So uh, that's all I got so far. Well, it, it, the Chicago Miami. It depends on which version of Zach Levine decides to show up when. Um, this is why I've really never really been a huge Zach Levine fan or guy because he is way too streaky. Um, he's way too obsessed with. Hold on one second, because my dog now wants to act up. I got you. Go ahead and handle that. Tricky. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, she she likes to perform when I'm in the middle of something. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's streaky. If you look at that game, he wasn't there in the first half. Then he was there in the second half, so they won. Listen, Miami is offensively challenged. Chicago should win this game which means that the Heat are going to win. Um, I think the Oklahoma City game is going to be way better game because for three quarters it's going to be a really good game. Minnesota is going to be there, and they're like, oh, man, Minnesota's finally turned the corner. And then the fourth quarter is going to come. The Minnesota coach is going to turn into the clown that he is and has been the entire season because they've lost so many double-digit leads 
because suddenly this man don't know how to make an adjustment. He don't understand. He don't know how to call a timeout. He don't know how to run a play. All he do is come down and jack up forty five footers. Um, he don't put Carl Anthony Towns in the post. He lets him stand out at the logo. Um, Anthony Edwards last season and this season in the biggest moments has not shown up. That's not to say he won't at some point. He still hasn't learned how to harness his energy in big games. So he comes out and tries to do so much, he does absolutely nothing. Um, the, the last game against the Lakers, if Anthony Edwards does anything, anything, that's a walkover. So Oklahoma City, they've played a lot of close games. They've won a lot of close games. They're a very mature team. He's, oh, they're so young. You couldn't tell they're young looking at them play. So I expect Oklahoma City to win, and Miami-Chicago, it's a tale of which streaky team shows up. You know, it's, it's real interesting to see, uh, obviously, coming off those games the other night, Atlanta took care of business, so they get the right to get spanked by Boston probably in the first round. Um, you know, to me, the bigger deal are these two games in the West because um, even though these teams had good years, I'm still not sold on Denver and Memphis in the playoffs. Uh, I think that Memphis will be the favorite over the Lakers, and I think that if they get game one in a dominant fashion and end up winning the first two in the series, then it could be, uh, you know, a short series for the Lakers. Uh, but that being said, uh, this is a – Still a young team. They they played well. Gave Golden State a battle in the in the second round last year, but this is still a young team. And we've talked about some of the uh, off court things, but also some of the things that kind of affected that team over the course of the year. But for them to still find a way to get that two seed and be up there at the top of the Western Conference, uh, very good season for this Grizzlies team. So we'll see, you know, what they look like moving forward. Denver, I'm not sold on Denver in the postseason either, right? So uh, whoever wins this game between Oklahoma City and Minnesota tomorrow, I mean, the opportunities there, I'm not sure that either one of those teams are good enough to beat Denver, but I look out for whoever comes out of that Phoenix-Golden State. So that's crazy. Though. That's a, actually, it's no, Oklahoma it's City is going to beat Denver. Oklahoma City beats Denver. It's Phoenix and the Clippers, I think, actually. i got to go back and double yeah, check. Phoenix it's and the, it's, yeah, it's Phoenix and the Clippers. So you got KD and um, uh, Westbrook. Oklahoma City is beating Denver. I'm telling you that right now. All that you have to do you. is look at Mike Malone's history in the playoffs. Look at his history in the playoffs. His teams get there and suddenly – see, Mike Malone's only tool, his only tool in his bag is to call his team soft. That's the only tool he has. He is a good coach. He is not a coach that's going to get you over the hump. He is not great at adjustments. The reason Nikola Jokic's numbers go down in the postseason are because his head coach can't make adjustments. And what everybody does right. is by game two, about halfway through game two, they decide to say, okay, Jokic, score all you want. Because Jokic's best asset isn't his scoring or his rebounding. It's his passing. That is his greatest skill. You take away that, so you don't double him. You single him up and say, you win this game by yourself. 
Michael Porter Jr. still floats through games. Jamal Murray's going to be hurt by game three. You know, he's going to be nursing something by game three. And Mike Malone doesn't make adjustments. So if you look at Oklahoma City, in reality, look at the matchup. They actually have more players that you can rely on than Denver does. Denver has two guys. They got Murray, they got Jokic. Mm -hmm. The only thing that scares me about this matchup is can Oklahoma City throw enough bodies at them to match them inside? Um, Because they got plenty of wings, they got plenty of guards uh, that can kind of help control the game. Uh, can Can they do enough to combat Denver's size? And if they can, they can win the series. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely interested. I think that you're going to see in the first couple of rounds some higher seeds get upset in the Western Conference. I think it's going to be uh, quite the show come playoff time. Uh, let's see. Uh, lots of talk here the, about the major – uh, contestants out there for the MVP award. Uh, for the most part, it's been narrowed down to four Giannis, MB, Jokic, Tatum. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as who would you give the MVP award to? I think the MVP should be Jokic simply because of what he's done. Um, listen, MB has had a great season. He's had a tremendous season, but the reason they want to give it to MB is, well, he should have got it last year. It's a reg and, and well, Jokic has never done anything in the postseason. The MVP is a regular season award. I don't care what you did last year. I don't care what you – it's not a lifetime achievement award. It's not a, well, you didn't get it last time, so let's give it to you. This time award, it is who is the best player this season. Nikola Jokic at the center position is going to average a triple-double. Team is the number one seed in the Western Conference. Joel Embiid, oh, he's had three 50-point games, and he's going to be leading lead the league in scoring. Okay, and your team is still third. You're still the third-best team. Okay, so for all you've done, you weren't able to elevate your team to first place in the regular season. This is a regular season award. So it's either Jokic or Giannis. For me, I would give the Jokic or Giannis, and because I like pissing people off, I would say Jokic. I'm sorry. I don't care about what MB did last year. I don't care about the fact that, well, you know, uh, Jokic hasn't done anything in the postseason. That's not what the criteria is. The criteria is who is the best player this year. The best player this year is Giannis and Jokic. MB is third to me. I I probably go a little bit different than you, but I definitely see your your point. MB did have a really good year. I'd probably go Giannis, uh, best player on the best team in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, you know, he's also he also played through some things. Uh, his numbers are really good. Uh, I'd probably go Giannis, Embiid, Jokic. I don't think you can go wrong, really, with either one of the three. Uh, but I think Tatum is definitely a distant four. <clears throat> Not to say that he didn't have a very good year. But I, I think the other three are uh, a step above. It would be interesting to see, though, too, because – um, with two of the three in the Eastern Conference and only one out West, do those two in the East split votes a little bit? You know, how does that end up affecting it or does it affect it at all? Uh, will be something interesting to watch uh, to me as these votes come, decide to come, you know, as these votes come forward. 
in this race. Uh, so, Chandler, I spoke about this pretty extensively last week um, about the double standards and gave props to the Bayou Barbie for sort of calling it out and uh, recognizing it. I don't want to go too deep down that rabbit hole again because I felt like I really kind of got on my soapbox last week about this. But did you have any comments on um, Angel Reese, the way she handled herself at the uh, in the championship game or in the aftermath of that or the whole Taylor Clark thing or just the women's Final Four in general? Because I know you and I haven't gotten a chance to talk since then. The only problem I had was it got turned into a conversation about something that had, that it had nothing to do with. Um, the reason Angel Reese got so much flack, as she did all year, um, and her teammates got so much flack, and, and the reason that the women of South Carolina got so much crap, okay, is because they're predominantly black teams, period, end of story, okay? They're not allowed to show emotion. They're not allowed to do anything, okay, because – the uh, I believe it's the Kevin Cavendish Cavender whatever the the two little blonde girls at Miami. Um, nobody had a problem with anything they did. Nobody had a problem with anything Haley Van lifted. Nobody had a problem with anything Caitlin Clark did. Caitlin Clark run or do? Oh, she does the Jordan shrug. You're up by thirty points. Okay. Right. And you and it's funny how sportsmanship only matters when it's somebody of color or a woman. Okay. Well, you know, they're, they're they're women. They're supposed to be genteel. Really? I'm sorry. Is this is this the 1800s? Should they be should they put on some petticoats and curtsy for you? You know, and go and go make you a sandwich. It's it is it, it's exactly what it's always I per- been. I prefer pie, but no, but no, I, uh, no, I, I I agree with you. I think that you know. Uh, Clark Girl did the same thing at the end of the Louisville game, same gestures, that kind of stuff. And I and I like that Angel Reese called it out. She said, you know, uh, nobody else said it when somebody else was doing it, but because I don't fit in your little box. And then, you know, the other thing that I'll say, and shame on uh, grown-ups for acting like this and passing this message on to their kids because, uh, you know, I, I live in the, in the state of Iowa, and I tell stories from a group I belong to about uh, parents letting kids wear their LSU stuff to school that day and again feel, and coming home and reporting getting bullied by kids at school uh, just because what? You know, their team won a game? Like, mm-hmm. if you can't act if you can't act with any more class than that, you deserve the championship in the first place. So, uh, grow up. Uh, but that being said, uh, you know, South Carolina is losing a lot of pieces, but you know Don Staley is going to reload. Uh, we will be talking more in this space about the WNBA as it comes about. But, uh, listen, college basketball, the final four ratings this year were higher than they've ever been. Outranked most uh, any regular season NBA game. Uh, championships were too. So, uh, so, you know South Carolina is going to have a squad next year. Uh, LSU is supposed to, should be even better than they were this year, hopefully. Um, as far as with some of the talent they got coming in, but they got to replace the heartbeat of their team. So you never know how that pans out. Uh, you also know that uh, I was going to be there. That uh, point guard from Louisville's transferring, so where she goes is going to be really interesting. Uh, UConn's always going to be there as well. Virginia Tech's got a lot of people coming back. So women's basketball is not going anywhere. 
on the professional level or even on the college ranks. So uh, maybe that some of these people that, you know, started watching at the Final Four may even pay a little bit more attention uh, during the actual regular season next year and, and keep an eye on it because there's some really, uh, really, really good things happening in women's basketball on a college level. So, yeah, you, got, uh, get that. Um, you have yeah, South Carolina and Notre Dame opening the college basketball season in Paris. You have two yeah. black female coaches, right, going to Paris to open the season. Now, Notre Dame, okay, you got, you got the Hunchback of Notre Dame. You got the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, however you want to say it, is synonymous with French history. And you got two black women coaches, one of them at a school that, trust me, is not known for being forward-thinking in Notre Dame, all right, opening up the college basketball season. It's history on so many levels. Because think about the fact, they didn't pick two men's teams. They didn't pick two black men's coaches, right? They picked two black women coaches to open up the season in Paris, so if if you if you still want to be talking about nobody watches women's sports, listen, I got nothing for you, man. Go go crawl back in your rock, um, and and continue and continue subtweeting on Reddit. <laughs> right, I uh, I agree. So, uh, lots of cool things happening there, and you know, definitely some good like earmarking with LSU and South Carolina hook up next year. I think Tennessee is going to be heard from as well uh, in that conference. So, and then you know Virginia Tech's got a lot of good people coming back. Louisville plays in the uh, ACC for basketball, and then what UConn brings to the Big East. Uh, it's going to be fun. So, uh, I'll be excited for that to come back around. But you know the good thing is is we get a full season of baseball. And we get football before that happens for the most part, or at least a good chunk of football before that happens. So lots to enjoy in the meantime. Uh, Before we get into action on the field, I do want to point out a story that I read today. (laughs) And there's at least six major league teams that have done this. Now these games are going faster. The funny thing is – People don't want their money messed up. So now teams, they used to stop selling beer in the seventh inning to give people time to sober up a little bit to drive home. Uh, Now at least six major league teams have extended beer sales through the eighth inning. Uh, Some even to, like in Baltimore, through the end of the game. Some say through the eighth inning or three or four hours after first pitch, whichever one comes, uh, or in the eighth inning, whichever one comes first, as far as one of them is three hours, one of them is four. So, you know, extending beer sales out because, you know, you got a shorter window. Uh, Matt Strom from the series left-handed pitcher came out and said, today it tells you where what the bottom line is because you would think that maybe with the sped-up games, maybe they would stop selling at the end of the sixth inning now. But, no, it looks, mm-hmm. like, it, uh, it looks like these guys are going the other way. So, uh, you know, hey. Uh, just because you can buy them, uh, if you're going to drink at Major League Baseball games this year, uh, don't drive Uber or something like that or have a DV. 
because they're not, <laughs> they're not going to uh, care about you as a fan other than getting you in the seats and seeing how much money of your money they can get from you. So uh, take care of yourself if you're going to these major league baseball games. Uh, yeah, because yeah, having people slam in as many beers as they can in two in two hours and two and a half hours makes sense. Um, the whole right. reason that they started this 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 thing with, was because there were accidents and Major League Baseball was going to be held liable. The team, not but the baseball team, different situations. Team was going to be held liable because they had overserved people. They knew people overserved, and those people went out in the parking lot, and got in cars. Okay, right. so just like a bar can be held accountable for overserving you, which I kind of agree with, I kind of don't. Um, I think it depends on the situation, personally, um, because I don't think it's the bartender's job to monitor me, but if I'm obviously, you know, 12 sheets gone, yeah, stop serving me, you know. Um, but, yeah, they don't give a damn. And, they, and here's the piece. If if people could be trusted to drink in moderation, um, AA wouldn't exist. Um, DUI laws wouldn't exist. They wouldn't exist. Major League Baseball wouldn't have had to put a cap on how long they could sell beer. So, and again, that's not their responsibility. It's not their job to say, okay, if you can't handle your alcohol, you know, it's our job to, to do it for you. But at the same time, and I hate to use this analogy, so I'm, I'm trying to think of a different one because um, I don't want to use the analogy I was getting ready to use. But don't give a baby a fork and then stand them in front of an outlet and not expect something bad to happen. That's all I'm saying. Mike, you still there? Or did I lose you? Yeah, I'm still here. No, you got me. Um, so I definitely agree with you on that. I figure that let's go kind of division by division and just sort of look at how teams are starting off, certain players that maybe uh, may know that we could talk about, you know, how stars are doing or uh, I know we got some injuries on different teams as well. So I know that both of us care a lot about the East. So let's start out West. Um Starting with the American League West, their clear favorite is Houston. Uh, still haven't gotten Lance McCullers back yet, and obviously Jose Altuve is still out for another month plus, uh, but this team at least keeping their head above water, uh, riding uh, some decent starting pitching, and uh, but Jeremy Pena has really struggled for them so far this year as well. Uh, the other guys, you know, Tucker and, and other guys are kind of doing their part. Jose Abreu off to a slow start. Um, Hunter Brown, the young kid who pitched for Berlander last year, uh, late in the season, had a really, really bad first start and pitched really well his second start. Um, and so, you know, family Valdez is family Valdez. Christian Javier is doing all right as well. So it looks like that uh, the Astros are going to be, you know, what we thought. We'll see how much they can produce offensively. Dropped a series to the Twins last weekend, kind of bounced back this week. But uh, we can go team by team, I guess, here, Chandler. You got other thoughts on uh, Houston? Houston is doing what I expect. Um, I hate the Houston Astros. 
Um, I used to I used to actually like Houston Nationals when they were in the National League. I was, you know, with Cesar Cedeno, uh, Joaquin Andujar. You know, they, they listen. I used to really like that. It was one of my kind of, you know, I'm going all the way back to when they were the Houston Colt 45s, okay? Um, by now, I hate them. But one of the things they don't get enough credit for is their developmental system and their farm system. Their farm system is loaded. See, Jeremy Pena can struggle. Dude, they got three shortstops behind him that are better than him. Kid Nova, mm-hmm. I think his name is uh, Freudis, 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 however you pronounce his name. That kid is going to be a beast, okay? They got some infielders coming. Altuve, it's okay, bro. Take your time. We got it. And I don't really look at what young pitchers do until about their fifth start, okay? I don't care what they do until their fifth start because in the, within the first four starts, there's going to be two really good games and one game where you're like, oh, my God, um, do you actually know how to pitch? Right, and then there's going to be one game where it's like, eh. So it's the fifth start for me because the fifth start forward is when you start really getting data on them, their tendencies and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm not surprised that Houston is basically, you know, still right at the top of of the division because they are a really good team. So he kicked that in. Well, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, neither one of us are surprised by. Uh, early going for the Texas Rangers. Um, they're getting some pitching from John Gray. Another guy that Andrew Heaney. One bad start, one good start. Not a guy I really believe in. The Grom's still trying to kind of get it figured out. But both she's going to get the most of these guys. Uh, they're hitting the ball pretty well. And Texas is right there. I'm impressed with them uh, early on to start the season. Who gets it? Texas, right? Yep. Oh, well, I told you before the season started, I thought Texas was going to be good. Um, give me one second. I got to see they just disallowed the Rangers goal. They're killing me. Um, I thought Texas was going to be cause, because what people don't pay attention to is managers matter. Certain managers matter when it comes to pitching. And one of the biggest detriments that the Texas Rangers have had has been their pitching. It's been their pitching. Bruce Bochy knows how to run a pitching staff. Bruce Bochy was a catcher in the major leagues for a very long time. He was a really good catcher in the major leagues for a really long time. So he knows how to manage pitching staffs. So I'm not surprised. Listen, now Seager's hurt, but he's always hurt, so that's not surprising. And he'll come back, and then Simeon will get hurt because he always gets hurt. But listen, don't sleep on the Rangers, man. Don't sleep on them. Uh, you know, Angel's off to a slow start. I mean, a pretty quick start early. You know, this is a team that got off to a quick start last year, too. So, I don't believe you yet. You're going to have to show me uh, come summertime you're still going to be able to contend, contract, stay on the field, what's happened to Otani, and how long before Anthony Rendon gets hurt. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they're doing their thing right now. Uh, early on, um, so the Angels are looking like they can contend here uh, in this division right now. But still really, really early. Uh, Renfro's bats kind of come alive, so kind of lengthen that lineup a little bit. And that kid they got from the Phillies late last year for Brandon Marsh, uh, that Logan O'Hobby kid early in the season this year is looking like the truth and could be 
a a fixture behind the plate for this Angels franchise for a while. He's a kid that has really impressed me uh, so far early this season. Uh, they still got to get their bullpen figured out, and the depth of their rotation. Um, Reed Detmers has got to learn to be a little bit more uh, efficient with his pitches. Um, Jose Suarez kind of gotten off to a, a slow start, but his second outing was much better. Uh, but looking at this team with Suarez and Sandoval and Detmers behind Otani, and, um, you know, if they stay healthy, I think they have a shot. But uh, this is a team that I expect to eventually fall back in the standings. Yeah, they're the third best team. They're the third best team in that division. Um, you can't trust Maybe them. Maybe the fourth. Trout is going to be hurt. Yeah, Trout's going to be hurt. Um, they're going to lose games, even though Otani does everything possible to win the game. They, and they're still going to lose the game because their bullpen is trash. Um, Iglesias will be burnt out by the All-Star break. So it's, it's, it's a poorly constructed ball club. And not just at the major league level. They're a poorly constructed organization from top to bottom. You got no help coming. The only good young players you, you have, you get from other organizations. I mean, tell me the last young player that the, that the Angels developed. Tell me the homegrown guy that the Angels have. Uh, You're like, yeah, that kid's got a future. You can't name one. No, because Joe Adele. So, actually, I think Adele could be the guy, but here's the piece. You can't keep jerking him around. You, it's kind of, um, it's kind of the situation that Bryson Stott was in with the Phillies. He kept looking over his shoulder for Girardi to yank him out of games, right? And then yeah. when Thompson took over, Thompson said, "You're going to play. I don't care whether you hit 100 or a thousand. As long as you catch the ball, you're going to play." Adele comes in. He's trying to make you know, Hall of Fame-worthy catches. You know, he's trying to jump over four fences and catch seven balls and hit 5,000-foot home runs so he can stay in the lineup. That's not conducive to a young player being successful. It's not conducive. So he's going to be good for somebody else, and then they're going to say, well, how come it, how come it didn't work out here? Because, I mean, literally, he'll have a good game. The next game he'll have a mediocre game, and then you won't see him for three games. So... Well, and it, you know, it's the Angels, man. It, and, and I think, um, so just a couple of things. Uh, you know, interesting thing, because Taylor Ward's doing okay in that outfield. You got Renfro. You got Trout and Center. So there's only a certain number of bats, but I still think you need to get Adele in the lineup on a regular basis. And uh, Iglesias is in Atlanta now, but he hasn't pitched yet. We'll get to Atlanta later. Um, okay. But He's I, in Atlanta now? Um, Rafael Iglesias, yes. Yeah, so who's their closer? Yeah. Um, that's a very good question. I'm not sure if they know. Uh, who I thought closer. he was still their closer. Wow. Uh, okay. And then, <laughs> and then I think they're the fourth-place team in that division uh, behind Houston, uh, Texas, and then the other team that I have yet to mention in that division, and that's Seattle. Julio Rodriguez is doing his thing. Uh, Ty France has been off to uh, – a really fast start at first base. Uh, Cal Rowley showing you he's got some punch uh, behind the plate. Uh, Jared Kalinick, the former New York Met, is starting to show signs of life uh, from his bat out there in the outfield. Uh, 
as well over the last couple of weeks. Eugenio Suarez looks like he's kind of uh, doing okay. They're, they're having to absorb this Robbie Ray injury, uh, but I like what mm-hmm. I've seen out of Castillo. I like what I've seen out of Luis Castillo, and I like what I've seen out of Logan Gilbert so far this season. You know, they lost a close series to Cleveland in Seattle. Uh, mostly all those games were competitive, and then they bounced back and won two out of three when they played them the next week in Cleveland. So a tough schedule for them early, but this Seattle team, uh, as long as they pitch enough at the back end of that rotation, I think they're going to be fine. They don't really have a set closer. You see Seawall, but they have a lot of good quality arms in that bullpen as well. Um, so uh, to me, I still think Seattle may be the second-best team in this division. Um Texas could creep up on them if things fall right, but I I, I definitely expect Seattle to be there come come playoffs. So. Yeah, I see. I don't trust Seattle because I don't trust the manager. Um, I don't trust the manager, and I don't trust I don't trust Robbie Ray at all. Let me be clear, but I certainly don't trust the rest of that rotation after Logan Gilbert and Luis Castillo. I don't trust it. Um, I think I like they're relying too bit. much. Kirby, but I don't think he's a three. I think he's more of a four or five guy. Um, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 they're missing. They're missing that innings eater in the middle of that rotation. A guy who is no flash, it's no 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 sizzle. But all he does, they need an Ian Kennedy type guy. All he's going to do is go out there and give you seven innings. Every time. I don't see that guy in that rotation. So I see the manager making a lot of change, 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 change. I just I just don't trust the manager. Um, and I think they're expecting uh, Julio, J-Rod to – I don't know if he's really ready to carry them to the finish line yet. But they could – listen, they could easily win that division. There's enough talent there. They could easily win that division. And hopefully Kellenic is finally ready – to play and he's he stopped putting so much pressure on himself. He's finally ready to, you know what I'm saying, just just do just go out there and play. Stop trying to prove anything. Okay? You got traded for Robbie Cano. That's not a that's not a real high bar to get over, man. All right. <laughs> yeah. Just relax and play your game. Uh so looking the only other team in that division, uh Oakland A's, I mean I think it's gonna be between them and maybe the Nationals for the worst team in baseball this year, we'll see. Uh, but looking at, at them, I think one one of the biggest questions for that franchise is anybody gonna trade for any of those bullpen arms possibly? And uh does Ramon Lariano uh stay in Oakland for the duration of this year? Uh but not a whole lot to say about Oakland other than can they get their stadium thing figured out, and or is this team going to end up being relocated at some point? Uh, to they, me, not a ton to talk about moved. Oakland on the field. Yeah. They're getting moved because Major League Baseball has gone out of its way to sabotage the city of Oakland and make sure that they get to move that team. Um, when you trade away every good player and then turn around and say, well, nobody's coming to the games. Well, nobody's coming to the games because you just gave away all of your talent. Why in the hell would I pay the cost, the, the, the prices that it costs to go to a Major League Baseball game knowing that you're putting bums on the field? I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's people struggling to feed their family. And, yes, 
sometimes you say, okay, you guys, you know what? Yeah, we should, yeah, you know we having a hard time with this and that. We're gonna go to the game because you know what? We deserve to have a good day out. We deserve to have some fun as a family. Hey, let's go to the A's game. Yeah, right. Same on Major League Baseball. A couple of young prospects that are kind of exciting, the kid Langoliers that they got from the Braves, the catcher. Um, I like Tony Kemp. He's always been a player that I really liked his game, uh, second baseman. Um, And then they got the Asterius, the young outfielder, but I don't think we need to spend much more time on Oakland. Um, Going to the National League West, one team that I want to point to, at least that I want to start the conversation with, is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, we'll see if they come back down to earth, but I think Zach Gallen is a potential Heisman, uh, Heisman, Cy Young contender uh, in the National in the National League. Uh, they got some other good young pitchers, but this is a fun team to watch offensively. Listen, they bang the ball around. Uh, they're aggressive on the base pass. They've kind of solidified the catcher position with uh, Gabriel Moreno. They have. Uh, the two-headed monster at shortstop with Nick Ahmed and uh, Geraldo Podomo. Um, and then you got some nice little pieces. You got Corbin Carroll, who can run like a deer in that outfield with McCarthy. And then you got you got a few other pieces. Kyle Lewis has been around, Lourdes Goriel, uh, Alec Thomas, uh, you know, Christian Walker solid. Josh Rojas, I think, is an underrated baseball player as well, uh, playing third base for them with Kettle Marte. Uh, this Diamondbacks team is a fun team to watch, and they're going to be scrappy, uh, not only in that division, but uh, listen, even if they end up being a 500 team at some point this year, if you got to win a series against them to make sure you hold your place in the standings, you better show up ready to play against the squad because they play hard, they hustle, um, and they're actually a pretty fun team to watch play. Yeah, they should be better. Um, I'm blaming management. Listen, Cattell Marte is the best all-star player that no one's ever heard of. The kid Perdomo is a defensive wizard. He shouldn't be, I'm he he shouldn't be sharing time with anybody. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, but Perdomo, that kid. I know, but I, I like I like the kid Perdomo. I've liked him for a couple of years now. Um, so, I'm, you know, it, it's, that's just my bias. Um, they have more than enough talent, more than enough talent to win the wild card more than enough. It is going to come down to whether management is willing to truly invest in this team and go out and, and get them. A, they need a, a thumper, a nice veteran thumper coming off the bench, somebody who's won before, who understands what it is when it, when it gets later in the season. And to me, they need one more quality arm. They need one more arm. But I like that team. I like the talent. I've been – I've been campaigning for the Yankees to trade for Cattell Marte for, for over four years, okay? And when the, when the Mets went out and got starting Marte, I'm like, no, 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 go get Cattell. That's the Marte you want. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah, like Cattell. Arizona. Cattell's a really good player. I mean, he's settling in at second base right now, but he has played center field at times when you need him to. Uh, the only issue with him is can he stay on the field and stay healthy, but he is a quality player uh, for them. And – you know, the the good thing about this Diamondbacks team, I think, is you do have a, uh, a guy that's a, a kind of a veteran now with this group and Christian Walker, but you got a lot of young guys, uh, a lot of youth movement to maybe allow you to, you know, keep that guy around and maybe go get another arm or two. Um, 
and not have a ridiculously high payroll because you're not going, you know, the Diamondbacks maybe for a year or two can like they did in the past, but you're not going to compete year in and year out with the deep pockets of L.A. or even with what San Diego I disagree with that. I disagree with that totally. I disagree with that. They can compete with anybody they want to. See, (laughs) we're about to get off on the tangent here, people. I'm tired of people making excuses for billionaires. If you buy a professional sports franchise and you can't afford to run that franchise, that's your fault. That's not the city you're in. It's not the market you're in. It's your fault because you knew you didn't have the money to run this business that you just bought. Baseball revenues are up almost 110%. Baseball made money last year, a lot of money. Okay. They're about to get all of their all of their digital rights back where they're going to be making all of the money off these instead of doing these regional networks. They're going to be running the regional networks, which means that's more advertising money for them. The people who own the Diamondbacks are more than, than, than financially sufficient to invest in that team. And here's what we know about that market. If you put a good product out there as they have before, people will come to that stadium. So this, this, this whole, well, they can't afford to compete forever is nonsense. They choose not to. It's a choice. Well, I, I think to me, though, some of it too is desirable of destination. It, it didn't have the bright lights in some places. To me, if I'm the Diamondbacks, I still want to build with them with prospects and then go get free agents to fit around them. I don't want to be trying to remake my team every year. Uh, on the free agent market. And I think that they're doing a lot to uh, go in that direction as far as there's a lot of good youth on that team. A few guys that have played for a while. But um, you do need a couple more pieces, like you said. But I think they're building this uh, team back the right way. And they're building a team that has a chance to have some staying power in this National League West, uh, not just be a you know one-hit wonder, so to speak. Um now, the San Diego Padres have played a – another team that's played a pretty tough schedule which to start the season, uh, but they're right there with the Diamondbacks in first place, uh, right around first place there in that National League West. Uh, Xander Bogarts has been better than I expected him to be to start the year. Uh, Machado is Manny Machado. Uh, Grissom's been okay. Uh, a guy that I really like for this team that has really settled down. He looked overmatched the first half of his first season, but Haseon Kim – uh, settled in at second base for them. He plays third when Machado uh, DHs, but he's really turned out to be a scrappy good player on that team as far as he makes good contact. He runs the base as well. Uh, he's got some pop in his bat. Like, he's a nice little player piece to that team. Um, and, you know, we're about a week away from seeing Fernando Tatis uh, Jr. get back in that lineup too, so we'll see. What that looks like, I think he's going to play right field um, for this team. Uh, and then you got Darvish. I'm still up and down on Snell. They got to get Musgrove back. Uh, Seth Lugo's been fine for them so far. Uh, and Michael Walker uh, has thrown the ball uh, well for them so far this season. So this is a team they still got to get some people back, and they've withstood some injuries and some suspensions, but. 
Uh, they're doing what I thought they would do right now, uh, competing well in that division. Just came off winning three out of four from uh, the Braves, but lost two out of three from the Mets. But if you had told them going into that that you're going to get four out of those seven games, I don't think they really care how you know how they break down. They'll take them, right? Like uh, those are two teams that are definitely expected to be playoff teams, and you go on the road and get four out of seven uh, in those two series. Like you take that early in the season if you're San Diego. Yeah, I don't like what they're doing with Tatis. I've never liked it. Um, I think he should be playing shortstop. Um, Kim doesn't get near enough credit for how good defensively he is. Um, I think people need to stop worrying about how much how much pop a guy has uh, because you can be a really good player and be really successful and contribute to a team and you don't have to hit one home run. Hayson Kim defensively is gold glove caliber. He's gold glove caliber. So I like what San Diego is doing, and this is, again, where I go back to your ownership can choose to invest in your team or they can choose not to. The owners of the Padres have chosen to invest, looking pretty good, and yet somehow they're still, they still have young players coming up through their system. So, see, you can spend money in the free agent market and have a good minor league system. You can do both. Those things are not mutually exclusive. But I like what San Diego is doing. I'm not worried about them. They're going to be there at the end. Yeah, and Hassan Kim is a guy that uh, is better offensively than I really thought. Like, you know, I looked up – I picked him up late in the league in one of my fantasy leagues um, this year just because he gives me so much position flexibility, being second, third, and short eligible. So a great bench piece, right, for a fantasy team. And every time I look around, two for four, two for three, one for three, uh, one for four. But, uh, you know, hits in every game. This guy, you know – he he may you know he may hit double digit home runs, but at the end of the day, when I'm talking pop, uh, in this sense to me, Chandler, I just mean like uh, he can hit the ball hard places and at least uh, make things happen, put pressure on the defense. Uh, you know, he's not yeah, an automatic yeah. out like we saw from guys like Dickie Thon and people like that back in the day at shortstop. Uh, he is a you know he he definitely makes things happen for that team, and I, I think you could hit him anywhere at the top or the bottom of that order, and he could contribute. Uh, now, going out, yeah. the other team that a lot of people talk about in that, uh, in that division is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, I mean, obviously, you have your stalwarts and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, your sort of anchor guys. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm really impressed with what I've seen out of uh, James Outman uh, so far. Really cool story about him that I read this past week about how he was had that football mentality, and then during the COVID time they wanted to, like right after he got drafted, they wanted to rework his swing. And it's something he's embraced and really broken down and been able to really carry it with him. And you're seeing the results. He saw it a little bit last year. And when he got sent back down just after three or four games, he didn't pout. He just put his head down and went back to work, and he's come back and uh, doing that. Miguel Vargas just gets on base. Uh, he's better at second base than I thought he was going to be. Uh, but he gets on base, and so to me, you know, there's some old heads who, you know, who they're trying to squeeze a little bit more out of the limit at the end of their careers, like the Haywards and Peralta's of the world who have uh, done all right. Trace Thompson had a three-home run game last week, and Muncy is just an absolute giant killer. He hit several home runs in that series this week against them. So, uh, 
to me, I feel like the Dodgers this year, they may take a little bit of a step back from where they were in previous seasons. That doesn't mean they can't still win that division or be in the playoff picture. But you're giving some of these young guys a chance to play some and really find out what you have with these guys. <clears throat> and I and I think that that's uh, – you know that they have deep pockets. You know that they're going to be players in the free agent market uh, in future seasons. And so uh, I think they're still going to be in contention. But I think the Dodgers are going to take a little bit of a step back this year in order to take a bigger step forward um, – and 24, 5, and 6, because um, they want to see what they have in these young guys and, and how much they feel like they can count on them to be part of their new core group. Uh, Chandler, if you're talking, you're on mute. I'm going to hit one other thing about them. I need to probably curse off last ride. you got to get Bueller back at some point, maybe not until next year. We'll see. But Julio Urias is, uh, hits well. Uh, for them as well, like he is really starting to, uh, you know, grow into that ace that they thought he could be when he was coming up, and yeah. in this game. So, you thought yeah, I mean the Dodgers. Yeah, I think the Dodgers will be fine. I think they'll be the first wild card. Um, I don't think they're going to be doing very much at the trade deadline. I think they're trying to reset to go after Otani. Um, to me, the wild card for them is Dustin May. Just yeah, amazing wild card. Well so far. Yeah, but the problem is if you look at his motion, he is that's his pitching motion is every pitch he's just waiting to to, to blow his arm out again. Um, and I understand it. That's listen, dance with dance with what brought you here, but at some point they need to really look at retooling his motion because that is not sustainable for a long term career. It's just not. Um, so that he, to me, he's the wild card. Can he stay healthy? Can he keep, stay in the strike zone? But yeah, I think the Dodgers will be fine. Looking at San Francisco, lots of platoons going on there. You do have the young Thierry Estrada, uh, playing second base. Maybe should be the shortstop. Uh, Brandon Crawford still on that team. Uh, looking around Conforto, um, in the outfield has gotten off to a decent start. Lots of sort of mix and matches out there with Conforto and Jack Peterson and uh, Blake Sable and, you know, different guys um, there. Uh, but looking at, at San Francisco, I think they'll go as far as that, that pitching can take them. you got Logan Webb, and then you just kind of got to figure it out with guys like Alex Cobb and other guys in that rotation. So can their pitching hold up for them? I'm not sure. But, you know, they're going to be scrappy. They're going to compete. I just don't know that they're uh, – I, you know, I think this is a fourth place team in the in the uh, National League West. Yeah, and Conforto's hurt. Um, he hurt his leg the other day. They lost two outfielders in that game where Muncie went went bananas the other night. They lost two outfielders and they were already down. Um, hey, pick up the phone and ask the Yankees for Aaron Hicks. I'm sure they'll give him to you. Um, but oh yeah, they lost I just Bryce don't. Johnson too, didn't they? Yeah, it was Bryce yeah, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Johnson. They lost Conforto. Um, I don't think they have too many players who are going to wind up on the injured list. Um, and the problem is it's not just going to be staggered. They're all going to wind up on there at the same time is the problem. You know, because Brandon Crawford is going to wind up on there. And they don't have a center field either in that organization right now. 
Yeah, yeah. It's I listen. I like the way they do business. I think they they say, okay, listen, this is this is what works for us. They're true to themselves. I just think they're trying to rely on way too many guys who we know are not going to be able to play 120 games. And that's going to come back to bite them. I, you know, the one thing I will say, and I cannot say this about every division, uh, you know, we were talking about the West, and we already couldn't say this about this team, but the last place team in this division is a team that you better show up to play. Uh, because the Rockies have some, they got some punch. You got a guy like Brian McMahon, who's a potential 30 home run guy playing second base. I like the young shortstop Tobar. You know, Charlie Blackman's probably uh, on his last leg out there. They also kind of cover some ground. So, you know, Chris Bryant's been healthy so far. Uh, CJ Crumb's kind of settled in in first base. Question of the Rockies, as it is every year, is uh, can they pitch enough? Herman Marquez already kind of banged up. What do you get get out of guys like Kyle Freeland and, and other guys? Can they pitch enough? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, once again, you go in there and your pitchers aren't ready to go or you give them some extra bats and and you don't show up ready to go, uh, you can end up being in for a long series in, in Denver. Um, this is not a team to take lightly. I don't think they're going to be in contention, but they're also not a team you can sleep on. you got to show up to play to beat them. I think they'll be in contention for the wild card. I think Freeland's finally figured it out. Listen, a kid has an electric arm. It has for a while. It's taken him a minute, but he's, listen, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Grant, again, small sample size. But I like what he's doing. I think he's finally figured it out. Honestly, I, I sneaky, I think Colorado's going to be there for that second wild card right down to, I'd say, the last week of the season. Let's go to the National League Central. I'm impressed early on with the Milwaukee Brewers. This team is hitting the baseball. Uh, Rowdy Tyler's a struggle, but uh, the kids, Bryce Terrain, Garrett Mitchell, uh, both showing you some pop and and second base and center field. Um, Jesse Winker at times is showing you the ability to hit Willie Adonis, who's who he is. Um, William Contreras behind the plate, but this team is really hitting the baseball right now. If they can produce offensively, uh, when you look at at least the top three on that pitching staff, and they look like they have a little bit of depth, when you look at at guys like uh, Woodruff, who's out right now, and Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns at the top of that staff, this team has the opportunity to still contend in that uh, National League Central. Yeah, it's, it, it's going to come down to do the players trust uh, the general manager who sandbagged them last year. Um, is is the is general manager going to pull the rug out from under them again? Um, that's what it's going to come down to, whether or not they trust that general manager to do the right thing. And I think I don't think they are, and so I can't really invest in Milwaukee because I don't believe that the front office is willing to invest like they should in that team. Um, to me, St. Louis off to a slow start, but a very tough schedule uh, to start the season. Uh, I think at the end of the day they're going to be there. But big ups to the kid Jordan Walker. Love seeing black baseball players be successful. Uh, but one of the few to ever, as a rookie, start to start off with a 12-game hitting streak. This kid gets on base, and I think the power is going to come. 
he's got some tremendous power. He's playing out of position, playing right field because you're not going to play third on a team that has no Arenado. Uh, but, I mean, you look at Walker, the rookie, Arenado and Goldschmidt or who they are. Um, I, I like what I've been seeing out of Brandon Donnelly so far to start this season. Um, and then you got other pieces in that outfield. I don't know, the Burleson, the Carlson sometimes, and then you get Lars Luper back pretty soon. Uh, this team has some pop-up and down the lineup. Uh, I do question their depth in the pitching staff. You're going to get Wayne right back eventually. He's uh, 84 years old. You got um, – you got Miles Michaelis, who has not looked uh, very well, very good early on. It's like, let me see how many miles they can hit my Michaelis pitches uh, over the course of my of my start. Uh, and Jordan Montgomery is just kind of Jordan Montgomery. You know, he's a back-of-the-rotation guy, middle-to-back-of-the-rotation guy. He's not an ace or a number two. Uh, but can St. Louis pitch enough and hold things down in the bullpen? Uh, the Cardinals – just I mean, those guys put that uniform on, and they're in contention, and they, and you know, at the end of the year in that division. So I don't expect anything different out of uh, out of St. Louis. Um, I like the team. I love Jordan Walker. M- Michaelis will be fine. He does this every year. He's still so slow, and he'll he'll be fine. Um, I think Oliver Marmol needs to be fired, and I'm saying it now. He needs to be fired. Because that stunt he pulled with Tyler O'Neill um, tells me that he's feeling the pressure, and you don't do that. Because here's the piece. He was trying to protect his coach, and he threw his player under the bus. O'Neill got, first of all, his secondary lead was terrible. And he didn't get a good jump on that hit, if you just look at the play. So there was no way he was going to score. There was absolutely no way he was going to score. Plus, he ain't that fast. The third base coach, third base coach, should have been far enough down the line to give him a late hold. He didn't. But to then say that he was dogging it, dude, we're not even twenty games into the season, and Tyler O'Neill is not a player who has ever been accused of not giving effort. Marmol has had a couple of these the past couple of years where he says some things he shouldn't have said. They're going to have to fire him in order for this team to get over the home. They're going to have to fire him. Um, so also digging a little bit more into that division, uh, because this team, for a different reason, some contending, some not, uh, but there are five teams that are worth taking looks at in this division. Looking at Chicago, listen, they just be, uh, got a series from uh, Seattle this week. That's a big series win for them. Uh, Miko Horner is doing fine at the top of that order. I like what I'm seeing out of uh, Swanson so far over there. This team has a lot of nice pieces. I'm not impressed with Nesky so far. Maybe he settles down. Um, and I still think Cody Bellinger is going to find it and really, uh, really take off for them. Uh, this is a uh, this is an interesting team that you know kind of role players at first base and. Um, you know, with Hosmer and uh, your boy who was in Baltimore before, Mancini. Uh, but this is a team that I think, you know, has a little bit of staying power. I think they're at best the third-place team in this division, but uh, the Cubs are looking pretty good out of the shoot. Yeah, Bellinger's going to be fine. If you look at his at-bats, 
Don't look at the results. Look at the at-bats. He's having good at-bats. He's back to trying to take the ball the other way. He's back to swinging through the middle of the field, which was what, which is what his natural swing is. In, in L.A., he became a dead pull guy, which really messed him up. Um, but, yeah, I like, I like what the Cubs have. Um, they, you know what? Yeah, they're a third-place team, but they're going to they're gonna be giving people problems for a long time. It just depends on what they're going to do come All-Star break, if they're going to blow it up or not. But I like, I like the talent that they have in Chicago. Uh, let's go to Pittsburgh. Uh, first of all, it's a shame to see uh, O'Neill Cruz get hurt at the plate and be out uh, and miss his season. Um, you're starting to see some young arms start to develop a little bit there. Uh, one guy that I really like in Pittsburgh, and if you uh, need a guy uh, for fantasy purposes, this guy is going to be uh, second base and outfield eligible and probably shortstop eligible pretty soon as well. But I really like this kid, G1 Bay. Uh, he's got, once again, he's a kid that's got some pop in his bat. He's really fast, um, and he is uh, – you know, he may be one of the biggest beneficiaries of this O'Neill Cruz injury as far as being able to hit towards the top of that lineup. But I think this is a kid that has a chance to stick in Pittsburgh and be around for a while. G1 Bay is a guy uh, that I'm very impressed with. Yeah, uh, he's he's very similar. He's there. He's he's the Pirates version of, of, of Hayson Kim. You just have to let him play. You just have to give him time. It's, listen, he came over from another professional league. Give him time to acclimate. Let him get used. Again, defensively, way more than solid. I'd say he's a tick below gold level level defensively. He's fast. The kid's going to hit. Again, this is going to come down to is the management willing to invest in this team? And until they give Brian Reynolds that contract, and the reason they're not giving him the contract is because he wants an opt-out. But for 2026, in case they decide to trade everybody away and they won't give him the opt-out, giving him that contract will tell you that they're willing to invest in this team. If they don't give him that contract, then this is this is all an exercise and nothing. Um, so, yeah, I know there's been talk about whether or not they're going to sign him. Brian Reynolds has started the season off. Like, as far as his play on the field, um, you know, he's playing really well for this team early on. And then looking at Cincinnati, I mean, people wondered what they were doing. They made the playoffs with, you know, Bauer and Castillo and all these guys um, coming off the COVID year. And then they traded a lot of people away, including Jesse Lincoln and some other guys, uh, and as far as. But listen, Cincinnati's got a lot of good young talent. Uh, it may take them a little bit of time to develop. But Spencer Steer, the kid they got from Minnesota, has been playing third for them. Um, I like what I'm seeing out of him. They're trying to give that uh, Jose Herrera uh, time to figure out what he is uh, at shortstop. Uh, but I, I really like uh, Stevenson behind the plate, too. I think he's a solid catcher and a really, really good big league hitter. More, much better than average hitter for his position uh, in the league as well. You know, can they get Joey Votto back? And then that outfield is kind of interesting because you got the former LSU Tiger and Jake Fraley, you know, TJ Friedel out there as well. Um, a couple other different guys spending some time out there, and you still haven't gotten Nick Sinville back yet. So, uh, But the, the exciting thing for me about Cincinnati is 
we know what kind of guys Hunter Green can bring. You know, he was garnered a lot of the headlines, even though his numbers were not that great last year. But then the other two guys in that rotation, the other two young arms, and Nick Lodolo, who has been very solid, he beat the Phillies again today, and Graham Ashcraft. Uh, Those two guys extending that rotation out and really pitching well for this team. Uh, The future is bright in Cincinnati. It may not be this year, but I think the future is very bright um, in Cincinnati for this team. A lot of young talent. Uh, They should have got rid of Joey Votto a year ago. Joey Votto needs to go. I'm sorry. I don't I don't I don't I don't care if he wants to spend all his career with one team. I don't care. Joey Votto is honestly he's what's holding that team back. I think he's holding that team back. So um they got a good a lot of good young talent, but he's gotta go. He's gotta go. He's synonymous with losing. Okay, so you need to get people in there that's synonymous with winning and he ain't one. Uh, and then, so I think that covers the entire Eastern uh, Central Division in the National League. Looking at the American League, I, I'm going to start with the Chicago White Sox. Shame on y'all uh, defensively. Uh, this team can really hit, but um, any time that another team puts the ball in play, uh, you're – it, it, that play is a candidate for showing up on. Do uh, you remember Marv Albert used to do the blooper segment uh, before the game of the week on NBC? Like you got your leader, Chandler's favorite uh, Major League Baseball player, uh, Tim Anderson. You got him hurt because you botched a rundown, had him coming all the way to third base, trying to pivot and try to save a bad throw. Uh, this team fundamentally defensively um, just not good. Uh, right now at all. Uh, I am impressed with what I've seen out of uh, Luis Robert to start this season. We knew that the talent was there, uh, but I'm impressed with what I'm seeing from him uh, hitting the baseball uh, and even playing center field. Eloy Jimenez looks like he's going to avoid a long-term injury here. That hamstring just uh, tend to be something small that he looks to be healing from. They say he could be back as soon as tomorrow night. And I think Andrew Vaughn is kind of settling in uh, at first base. I feel like he's a good hitter. Uh, Abreu meant a lot to that franchise. But I think he can settle in at first base um, and do fine for this team. And another guy that has really shown up for me is Renato Lopez with Hendricks out. He's been locking down games, and that just lengthens that bullpen for them once they do get Hendricks back. But I do worry about that pitching uh, past Dylan Cease. No, you don't see the same explosion beside Kopech. Uh, Lance Lynn's been getting knocked around. Um, that being said, they just lost two out but competed really well against the Twins. There's a lot of talent on this White Sox roster. But uh, yeah, now you can't blame yeah. it on Tony LaRusso. Now you can't blame it on LaRusso. <laughs> Listen, I told you that Tim Anderson's the second baseman. I told you this. He's a second baseman. Um, if they would get an actual shortstop, it would clean up a lot of things in that, with that infield defense. You got a lot of guys, honestly, you got guys playing in positions that, like Jimenez, he's a DH. He's a DH, you know. Um, Not to the and he stays, yeah, he stays hurt, you know, and, and 
there's talent there, but I don't trust the White Sox simply because I don't see winning players on that team. I see a lot of talent, but I don't see winning players. Uh, one team that has really been affected a lot by injuries, and I wonder if some of this is because they didn't really play some of their guys early on, in, I mean, in the spring at all to ramp them up. Uh, but the Minnesota Twins, some of their bench guys are having to play regular um, roles right now. Donovan Solano starting at first base today. Uh, Kyle Farmer had been starting a lot and really been producing for them from the Cincinnati Reds. So he got hit in the face the other day. Uh, Edward Julian, they just brought this kid up, uh, extremely high on base percentage. They bring him up to play second base, and they're plugging him into the leadoff spot. Uh, so we'll see if he he hit eighth or ninth the other night, but he's hitting leadoff tonight. So we still haven't seen Buxton in center field. They're saying he's just going to DH for the month of April um, as they ease him in. Uh, but if, if these guys can stay road and can get some guys back and be healthy, I like the punch behind the plate with the Jeffers-Vasquez uh, combo. But if you get some combination of uh, uh, Alex Kirillov and Trevor Larnick and these guys uh, back and ready to go, Joey Gallo has finally made it to the D.O. after he surprisingly started off okay. Don't worry, twin fans. He's going to go back down. Uh, that he can get into a slope like nobody else. Uh, Max Kepler's already found the DL as well. And Jose Miranda is still trying to find his uh, his stride, but that that kid can hit. Um, I, I like what I've seen out of uh, some of their pitching as far as uh, – I like what I've seen out of some of their pitching with Sonny Gray settling in pretty well and pitching all right. Joe Ryan looks to be back to what he uh, was – was playing like at the beginning of the season last year. So um, this this Twins team can make it interesting. I don't think they're as good as Cleveland, but they're going to make it interesting, I think, in this central division. That's another team that's poorly constructed. you got 17 outfielders. Um, I love how people keep telling me Joey Gallo's doing well. He's hitting 230. He's hitting 230. That's not doing well. He's hitting 230. He hit three home runs. He's hitting 230. Okay, and they're still playing 17 guys on the right side of the field because he still refuses to use the opposite side of the field. So um, it's a poorly constructed ball club. Trading Arias still makes no sense to me. You don't trade your best player for a back end of the rotation guy. You don't. That trade still makes no sense. It's a poorly constructed team. Now, they dog-walked the Yankees tonight. And the kid, Julian, I think had – I know he had at least two hits before I turned the game off. He had a home run and a base hit. Home run a dead center, I believe. Um, they got talent, but it's a poorly constructed team. So, uh, I, I, you know what? Uh. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the class of that division – is the Cleveland Guardians Josh Bell off to a slow start? Uh, Stephen Quam is looking like uh, that he's not going to experience a sophomore slump. Uh, looking at other guys on this team, Jose Ramirez is who he is. Uh, middle of that infield side with Jimenez and Rosario. I, you know, Shane Bieber's been fine, but you got to eventually get Tristan McKenzie back. You know, you're relying on a guy like Hunter Gaddis right now, who is. Um, his name might be Hunter, but he is the hunted the way he gets knocked around. 
when he goes out to pitch. Uh, but they're solid on the back half of that bullpen as well. But uh, Cleveland, let's, let's not get it twisted with these other two teams we just mentioned and the flaws in those rosters. Like Cleveland's a class in this division, right? The question is, can they get, do anything beyond winning the division? Yeah, um, Cleveland's going to be fine. Yeah, they're the best team in the division, but it's kind of like the best of a bad bunch to me. Um, I think the kid Gaddis is going to be fine. His first start, he pitched five innings, only gave up two runs. Um, the Yankees got him, but, you know, I think he's going to be fine. Tristan, the kid, Tristan McKen- uh, McKendry, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one, but, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's Frank Kona. They'll be fine. Looking at Detroit, Kansas City, I'm just going to kind of hit both these guys in one swoop. Uh, I'm still not seeing a ton of growth yet out of Bobby Witt. I do like what I'm seeing so far out of MJ Melendez and uh, Vinny Pascatino um, there. Um, in Detroit, Torgelson seems to be showing a little bit of sign of life at first place. Riley Green a little bit in center field, but both of these teams are just uh, – a long way away. Uh, youth movements and play some kids to see where they are, but both of these teams are a long way away, I think. So. I think Kansas City's on the come. I like what Kansas City's doing. I think they're on the come. I, I think people I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with what they do this season. A.J. Hinch and, and the general manager should be fired. They should be fired right now. You let your two best bullpen arms go so that you could let wing – Trey Wingeter throw away a game in Toronto. L L and 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 the inimitable Chase and Shreve. That's the back end of your bullpen. That's the, those are the guys you chose for the back end of your bullpen. Trey Wingeter and Chase and Shreve. Man, fire both of them now. <laughs> um, so let's go to the Eastern Division. Uh, I'll have you start on the American League East. Your thoughts on the Yankees and other teams, other things that you're seeing in the East. Uh, let's save the let's save the uh, Tampa Bay Rays for last. Okay, um, you know it's, it's nice to start off with every team that you play has either lost ninety games or is going to lose ninety games. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, what, who do you want to start with in, in the East? Uh, just go through your thoughts on the division in general. Like I said, we'll hit Tampa last, but go wherever you want. Um, well, the Yankees, they're, they're fine. They're winning series. That's all you got to do this, this time of the year, win series. Um, the kid Brito got shelled tonight. Again, it's only his third start. So all of the people who were putting him in all the fame who are now saying he's a bust, you know, I, I have give no credence to anything you have to say. It's his third start. He got shelled and he was due. Um, I think Herman is going to be fine. He's just right now. The, the teams, the couple teams he's pitched against, were bad matchups for him. He's the guy who kind of pitches on the edges of the zone, and when you when you pitch against teams who don't offer it those pitches, you're going to struggle. Clark Schmidt is not a starter; he's a reliever. Other than that, the Yankees will be fine. We'll see what they do come uh, the trade deadline, and of course, you know Aaron Hicks should be fired into the sun. The Boston Red Sox are. Adam Duvall, and I thought he was going to do well in Boston, and now he's hurt, of course. Um, Chris Sale is 
Chris Sale has been done for three years, man. I'm sorry. He's been done for three years. That 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 roster that Hein Bloom was put together is a joke. I'm not a Red Sox fan and I'm pissed about it. Okay? That's 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 a terrible roster. That's a terribly constructed roster. And again, right, yeah, I start early in the season. Fire him. Fire Hein Bloom. Who else we got in the East? Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles. Love the Orioles. Love I told you before the season, I love the Orioles. The kid Rushman is a monster. Love that kid that is a monster. You got Gun you got Gunnar Henderson who they're playing all over, but I think their best defensive infield is Henderson at third, Mateo at short. Listen, um, I like what they have. Now the pitching problem with Baltimore is the pitching is suspect. Grayson Rodriguez, I don't believe is ready. I think he's gonna have flashes. I think he's going to have some, some games where you're like, oh, my God, look at his stuff. And there's some games you can be like, what the hell is he doing out there? I don't think he's ready. But they brought him up. They're going to let him, you know, cut his teeth and take his lumps. But I fully expect the Baltimore Orioles to be the second-place team in the American League East. Um, Toronto is scoring a lot of runs, but they have to because their pitching staff is trash. They are trash. Okay, that pitching staff is giving up runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And runs. So, yeah, you got to outscore everybody. They're going to score a lot of runs, and they're going to lose a lot of games 9-7. They're going to lose a lot of games 9-7. So, so that's the four idea. What do you got? Uh, so, looking at the Yankees, I'm impressed with the early start by Glaber Torres. I wonder if the um, Yankees got to feel high on this kid with him getting off to a uh, – uh, a fast start. I I like that Bolpe is just kind of being left alone. Like he's hitting ninth most nights. I saw him hit leadoff the other night, but I like that they're running him out there every day, letting him get experience um, at the major league level. Eventually, I still think that he's probably a second baseman. Um, you know, Donaldson going down isn't a bad thing for this team, to be quite honest with you. But I do think that uh, DJ LeMahieu going down as well. Hopefully that's not something major because I think that DJ LeMahieu uh, can still be an impactful bat if he can stay on the field um, and be healthy for this team. Um, and like you said, you just got to win series at this time of the year. You just got to win series and uh, uh, to, to stay competitive. I, I think that they're going to be fine. Uh, it's interesting that now Cabrera, who played a little bit of left field to start the season, will still play out there. But I've seen him at second and third the last couple of days. And I was reading something the other day about Dominguez actually being – they know he can play center, but they're actually putting him at some corner outfield spots too to try to increase his versatility. Um, and so I think if Hicks and some of these other outfielders – I continue to struggle. If this kid can really light things up in the minor leagues, maybe we see him before this year is uh, is done. I'm, I, I really, really want to see this Dominguez kid. Um, Duvall, I agree with you. I, I'm not surprised that he's gotten off to a good start uh, so far in Boston. Rest of that team just kind of yeah, to me. Um, nobody really jumping out. Kimmy Jansen is doing a decent job on the back end of the. Uh, on the back end of that bull, bullpen. Uh, but, you know, Boston's just kind of a, oh, hum, I mean, Devers is what he is. 
Uh, Verdugo looks to be uh, continuing to show some improvement, but Boston's the last place team in this division. Um, I agree with you on Toronto. They're going to be getting Ryu back pretty soon. I think Alec Manoa is going to settle down and be fine. Uh, Kevin Gossman, another LSU Tiger. Uh, just got to point those out sometimes. Uh, but Kevin Gossman is uh, is pitching pretty well for them. He's kind of been the only bright spot so far uh, this season, that rotation. But the the, the starting rotation and even the relief, uh, you know, talent-wise, this team I still think could be second or third in this division, but they could very easily fall to fourth. I love Allie Rushman. I love Baltimore. Um, I, you know, what's going to happen with Henderson, we've seen kind of some ups and downs from him. I like Mateo's speed. Uh, I think Cedric Mullins has really turned himself into a fantastic major league player. Uh, I'm expecting Ryan Mountcastle to have a good season. If he does, this team could finish as high as second. I still think with Baltimore, and I said this uh, at the beginning of the year, I think they're going to be really competitive this year. Um, they may take a slight step back from last year, but I think they're going to take a giant step forward um, in the 24 season. But I think you're going to see flashes of it this year. This is a team that's grown up. Um, you know, the the outlook on the Baltimore Orioles for the last several years has been fairly bleak. Uh, but they've gotten some of these draft picks to sort of come home to roost and uh, this team has a very, very bright uh, future, I believe, in this division. Now, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Uh, this is a team that – no, I'm sorry. They're just the Rays now. They're not the Devil Rays anymore. The Tampa Bay Rays, uh, they play in front of like 17 people every night. Um, but they just got to – you know, the Springs went down today. If that's a long-term injury, that could really hurt them. They tend to continue to run players out there and bring players up. Vincent may catch up with them. I think uh, Wander Franco's coming around a little bit. I do think Andy Diaz is a very underrated baseball player. Uh, This is a team that no matter what they have on their roster, year in and year out, they're contending in that division. Uh, I expect them to be there in the wild card hunt again this year. If they don't mess around and they run off and hide, but the crazy thing is, is as good a start as they have had, uh, the Yanks and the Blue Jays are just sitting like four and a half back. So they haven't really been able to run off and distance themselves yet. And, you know, if you don't do it now, you may not be able to. But I, I do think that this uh, this team does have a solid rotation. you got to – you can't lose Springs, though, but you look at Rasmussen, you look at Springs, you look at uh, Shane McLeodhan, um even the kid that came up yesterday, uh, that Bradley, that came up and pitched well for them. This, this team has a lot of good young arms. Uh, they just find a way to, to run guys out there that can get it done. Uh, I, I think this team's going to be in contention. Yeah, one quick thing on the Red Sox before I get to Tampa. Shame on Alex Cora, by the way. Kike Hernandez has never played shortstop in his life, okay? Um, and now they're making him play That's shortstop, and you got Cora. Well, listen, he never been a regular shortstop, okay? Filling in is one thing. Being a regular everyday shortstop is something very different, okay, in Boston. And to call him out and say, well, he's playing mechanically. That's not his position, Okay. It's not his position. Yes, he's freakishly athletic. He's not a shortstop. Okay? 
So can can we give this kid a break? You know, especially the manager who played the position and knows how hard it is to play shortstop at the major league level. But anyway, um, Tampa, listen, I am going to denigrate uh, some of what they've done because, you know, um, I'm not impressed by what they've done. They've played nothing but teams who, again, either lost 90 games or are going to lose 90 games. Five of those games they should have lost, but because they were playing the bottom feeders, they, the teams gave them the win. Now, you can only play who's on your schedule. So they're 13-0. and Congratulations. They're always a very good team. They're a very well-run team, a very well-managed team. There's a lot of talent there. Let me see you in, in, in 20 games. In 20 games, if you if the next 20 games you go 7-13, and 13, what does that 13-0 really do for you? So I need to, I need to see them play against some some better competition before I crown them. But listen, thirteen and zero is thirteen and zero, man. They're in the record books. Well, and then I mean, you look at that. I agree, and so that's why I do think they're going to come back down to earth. But you know, one of the uh, calling cards of a team that is in the playoff hunt is they do beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. And and this team is doing that. Um, you know, it's interesting. There's only been, uh, since the 1900s, there's only been two teams that started 13-0. and It was the 82 Braves who limped into the postseason and the 87 Brewers who would have made the postseason under today's format but did not uh, make the playoffs mm-hmm. um, in 1987. Uh, the Brewers, I want to say, um, they were in the East in 87. Mm-hmm. Right? They were the East then, yeah. Uh, so they lost to the Tigers when the Tigers got Dolan Alexander down the stretch for John Smoltz. Thank you. Um, that trade worked out for both teams, uh, just for the Tigers in the short run. Uh, but the Tigers won that division and went on to uh, lose to the Twins. And we know what happened to the Twins beating the Cardinals in the World Series. History lesson for all the young fellas uh, out there. So I think we've covered that, Chandler. Let's let's hit one more uh, division in baseball. Uh, I'm going to start with the first place Atlanta Braves. They're nine and four, and they have had to overcome a lot of injuries as well. Um, recently coming out, um, Ian Anderson is going under the knife to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, Michael Soboka has come back, and or at least at AAA. He pitched four innings the other day. He's trying to ramp it back up to get back in this rotation. The two kids had good starts and then a bad start, so we'll see if they get a chance to get run out there again, the Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd. Uh, both of those guys showed flashes in their uh, first cup of coffee in the major leagues. Uh, I think Max Freed has avoided a major Injury, I don't know if that guy just didn't stretch well in opening day or what happened, the lower half of his body, but, you know, hamstring tweak uh, coming off the mound to cover first base there. Uh, but I really liked what I was seeing from Freed coming up. Kyle Wright has made it back, didn't pitch well in his first outing, but he's made it back. Uh, Charlie Morton is kind of that guy that you were talking about earlier uh, when you were talking about the diamond backs being the guy like this. Unless he's just having a really bad control game, even if he gives up three or four runs, you can count on him to go six, sometimes seven innings. 
for this team, kind of an inning leader and just kind of a veteran guy. He's a back-of-the-rotation guy for that team, but uh, I think his impact on those young pitchers is uh, under undervalued in a lot of ways. But now you got a micro-fracture in the wrist for Orlando Arcia, who, you know, a lot of people really question him getting that starting shortstop job, but uh, he's all he has done is play good defense and, and hit the ball pretty well. Uh, to start the season, Michael Harris with some back tightness down as well. Um, looks like he's going to avoid a long uh, injury stint too and be back very soon. And then, you know, when you start talking about concussions, uh, that's a tough kill. Travis Darno had some early in his career, uh, really violent collision at the plate with Lieutenant Odor last week into another concussion for Travis uh, Darno. Have to see if he can bring it around. Uh, Marcelo Zuna playing bingo uh, with his batting average. I think he's hitting 082 or something right now. But Eddie Rosario starting to come around, and Matt Olson has uh, extended his uh, hot streak into the spring. And all Ronald Acuna is doing so far is hitting about 360 and leading the league in steals. So um, this Braves team, man, they just they find a way, Chandler. They they've had some guys banged up. And they they got to get some people back, and they can't miss people long, long term. But they find a way. And I, until until somebody shows me otherwise, I still think they have to be the favorite in the National League East. Yeah, I would agree. I like what Strider's doing. He's taking that step um, that I that I wanted to see him take, which is he's pitching. You know, it's not just about okay, let me throw the ball by a guy. He's actually pitching. That's what I wanted to see if he would do this year, or if he would read his own press clippers and think he could just roll the ball out there. He's out there pitching. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Atlanta, I think Atlanta will be fine when when it's all said and done. There's going to be some injuries. Um, I keep seeing things where people keep wanting to talk about trade Marcelo Zuna for Aaron Hicks. Listen, the Yankees don't want Ozuna and the Braves don't want Hicks. So, for you fans that want Ozuna gone, y'all going to have to figure out a, be- a better trade than that, Okay. <laughs> Because neither neither of these teams is traded for either one of those players because they're, they're the same guy. Okay? They're the same damn guy. Why would I trade you with something I already got? But, yeah, I think Atlanta will be fine. And, and listen, it, until until someone beats them, they're the king of the hell. Mike, you on mute? Yeah, I'm uh... – just trying to figure out my kid popped up for some reason. Um, and then oh. <laughs> uh, we have, you know, Eddie Rosario starting to come around. If he can get hot, good. And, and Sean Murphy sort of starting to find uh, his footing as well offensively. Listen, what Sean Murphy's going to give you defensively, um, you take it. And then anything you get offensively is a bonus. But once again, he's got some pop in his back. Uh, looking at yeah. Philadelphia, you yeah. kind of caught it. A little, off to a little bit of a slow start. Uh, Nola got knocked around the other night. It's funny, the night after they knocked around Alcantara, uh, Nola got knocked around. Uh, but I do like that, at least right now, until you get Harper back, Bryce Stott, Bryce and Stott started the season uh, pretty well. So they put him at the top of that order, moved Turner down a slot or two just to try to lengthen that lineup a little bit. Uh, early season returns on Alec Bone look good right now. So, you know, this is another team that's uh, 
that's dealing with some injuries. You've lost Reese Hoskins for the year. Now you might have lost Derek Hall for a big chunk of time. And then, um, you know, Bryce Harper's out for a chunk of time as well. So uh, the the question for the Phillies is going to be the back of the rotation in the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, every year in Philly they lose four guys. <laughs> it seems every single year they lose four guys along with Harper. Um, I like Bryson Stott. Alec Bohm is, listen, he has finally settled into being the guy everybody thought he could be. Um, I like what he's doing. It's just a matter of him getting healthy. Um, until they get healthy, I do like the fact that the team is showing patience. They're not panicking. They're not, you know, they're like, listen, we'll be fine. Just, you know, because it's to be expected. This is a team that made a long run, and a lot of these guys weren't used to that. So, you know, it, it's an, it takes an impact on your body. So I, I think Philly's going to be fine. They'll be there. They'll be there um, when it's all said and done. We talk about playoffs now. Where they'll be, but they'll be there. And I think that Taiwan Walker is good for some decent starts at the back of that rotation as well. Uh, it, it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to me. I I think at the end of the year, I think Nola and Wheeler's numbers will be there as long as they're healthy. And so it just becomes: can you get enough out of guys like Walker and Strom? Um, and other guys at the back end of that rotation. If you can, I think they're going to be fine. JT Williams will be there too. Looking at New York, uh, listen, uh, there were some questions about him going into the season injury-wise. Brandon Nimmo has showed up and is getting on base like Brandon Nimmo does at the top of that lineup. Uh, Francisco Lindor is fine. Uh, Alonzo is fine. Offensively, this team is okay. I Alvarez is coming up. Uh, I understand sometimes the old school managers really don't want to play the kids, but you got to put this kid in the lineup on a pretty regular basis and give him a chance to develop. I think Brent Beatty should be their third baseman uh, so you can figure out exactly what you have in him and uh, what moves you may need to make later in the season. Um, but I think Alvarez and Beatty need to be part of this lineup, even if you put them at the bottom of the lineup and leave them alone. Um these kids need to be developing. I know Beatty's been tearing up at AAA, uh, but you need these kids on the major league roster uh, just to find out what you have in these kids. Uh, and it looks like Berlander is going to be able to be back before this month is out. Uh, Scherzer's numbers will be fine as well. Uh, David Peterson settled down with his last start. So uh, I think Peterson's going to be fine before the year's over. This Kobe uh, Singa, I like him. Uh, Early returns on him, I'm impressed with him as well. So, uh, once again, the Mets are going to be there uh, by the time the year's over. I don't know if they'll win the division, but I think they'll be in the playoffs discussion. Yes, yeah, why I told you I wanted the Yankees to go after Senga. Once again, great move by Brian Cashman. Go get Frankie Montes, not Kodai Senga, you clown. Um, I got to disagree on the Brett Beatty thing. Brett Beatty's not a third baseman. He's a first baseman. He can play third base. He's a first baseman. The problem is, is you got Alonzo at first base. I think you bring Beatty up, and you basically platoon him, because Eduardo Escobar defensively is fine. He's not hitting. Okay. Um, Alvarez needs to be your starting catcher. Put him back there and leave him the hell alone. See, this is why Buck Showalter has never won a World Series. This is why. Buck is great at building teams, but he's not great at getting them there because he refuses to acknowledge what's right in front of him. And I love Buck. Vogelbach ain't it, bruh. He ain't it. I like I like um, um, Vogelbach. He ain't it. 
And the kid they should have in this lineup, Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio. Yeah. Buck refuses. He, Buck refuses to acknowledge this kid exists. Remember this kid in the in the in spring training. That this kid had like a. I think he went two for three or three for four in the game. Buck was yeah, but he missed the ball at shortstop. I'm sorry, what? Listen, I know you're not going to play him at shortstop. Okay, then make him your DH. Bring him up. Bring him up. Bring uh, Beatty up. Platoon him with Escobar. Put Alvarez behind the plate. What do you got to lose? And here's the other thing. You know what I'm saying? Here's the other thing. If Beatty's the first baseman, if ultimately he's the first baseman, there are teams in the major leagues that can use a quality first baseman. So if this kid can come up and hit for you, I mean, maybe his ceiling is Casey Cotchman. Who knows? But if this right. kid can come up and hit, if he can come up and hit for you some, um, and you decide he's not the answer at third base, well, there's probably a team that could use it. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I just want to understand is your time is now. Okay. Your window isn't as big as you think it is, isn't as wide open as you think it is. And you're giving, listen, you're giving away games. And people say, oh, you can't win the pennant in in April and May. But you can lose it. Can't win the pennant in April and May, but you can lose it. And right now they need an injection of these young kids, these young legs, these young bats. These kids can hit. Okay, defensively, do they need work? Okay. Oh, but Alvarez can't really frame pitches. I don't give a damn if he's hitting 280. Okay, if he's hitting 280 and driving and runs, you know what? I'll live with the fact that you have to put Nito in there for Scherzer. Now, guess what? Max Scherzer, get over it. Yes, you and lost he, the strike, but he hit three home runs in the damn game. Well, and DH, and DH Alvarez, when you put Nito in for a couple of, you know, that, that's yeah. have have Nito catch one or two of the guys, but start letting Alvarez get integrated with the pieces that are going to be around there longer anyway. Uh, so, you know, Singa, Peterson, Alvarez yes. should be catching Yeah. Him. Yeah. One of the things that they keep saying about, about Alvarez, well, you know, with the pitch clock and he's got so much going on, dude, they've had the pitch clock in the minors for three years. He's already had to deal with the running game and the pitch clock and all that stuff. He's been dealing with it in AAA. So either your, either your player development is garbage because you can't bring him up and say, well, that's too much for him to handle. He's your starting AAA catcher. He's already been handling it in AAA. Hell, he was dealing with the pitch clock before you were. Right. But, hey, and you then, know, what do I know, man? And, and you know, moving uh, away a little bit from New York now, uh, going to Miami, uh, you know, I did want to say something about you talked about this trade because I'm about to talk about the other half of it right now. Uh, but Pablo Lopez looked like a number one starter in April last year, and he's looking like it again. He finished April last year with an ERA under one. And then he started getting knocked around a little bit and looking like the middle of the rotation guy that he is. One of the biggest tra- travesties in baseball right now is that 
Luis Arias only gets to play in front of eight people every night. Uh, because <laughs> he is uh, one of the most animated, fun-to-watch baseball players uh, in the game. This guy, he is a true spray-the-ball-around-the-field hitter. He's a contact hitter. He's got a great eye. You know, Minnesota moved him around a little bit. Sometimes with some of these Latino players, Minnesota just doesn't get the most out of them. Um, they don't. Uh, but Miami's plugging this kid in at second base. You know, he's the first guy to ever hit for the cycle uh, for this franchise. I would market the hell out of that. Um, you know, they moved him down in the order to third because he is their best hitter. Uh, you know, he's hitting leadoff to start of the season, dropping down to third over the last couple of games. This Marlins team, even though you traded away Lopez, this team can pitch. If ever Cabrera can ever uh, hone in on the strike zone, he's got the stuff. Uh, to be good, Alcantara had a bad outing against Philly uh, this past week, but Sandy Alcantara's numbers are going to be there uh, at the end of the year. You got guys like Trevor Rogers. You got other guys on this team that can really pitch. Uh, if AJ Puck can stay healthy at the back of that bullpen, I think he could settle down as a closer. This team's going to be a problem for some other teams around baseball. But I really, really, really like. I like Arias. I want to see if Chisholm. I know he's played some center field, and that's not his best position, but can he can he stay healthy and his bat come anywhere close to some of the expectations that people have for him? But just looking around this team, I mean, there's some uh, there's some talent on this team, guys like uh, uh, Gary Cooper and, and some other pieces. There's a little bit of talent on this team. I don't know that they are, uh, you know, serious contenders or anything, uh, but it's a shame that they can't draw crowds because this is a fun team to watch. And to me, a guy that unless they end up trading him at some point, Luisa Rice is going to be the the face of this franchise for a while now. And what Minnesota decided to let go, uh, the Miami Marlins are going to benefit. I love that he's become one of my favorite players in baseball over the last two or three years. Yeah. um, The problem is the mismanagement of talent. Jazz Chisholm is not going to stay healthy because you see him diving a lot for balls. The reason he's diving is because he's getting bad jumps. But he's so athletic and, and is so fast that he's, he's got enough makeup speed to where if he dives for the ball, he can catch it. But the problem is he's hurt his shoulder on three, three times already diving for balls. He's hurt his shoulder over three times already this season because he's not used to diving in the outfield for balls. That is a very different thing running full speed in the outfield and diving and splaying out than it is diving in the infield because you're taking two steps. That is very different landing. It's different trauma on your body. Kim Ng is the general manager there in Miami. Um, and I have I've always been a fan. She has grossly mismanaged the talent on this team. The Arias trade was a steal. For Pablo Lopez? You got him for Pablo Lopez? Man, look. <laughs> the Twins should have got a front-line starter for Luis Reyes, and they got a 3-4 starter for him. So you got to steal. There is more than enough talent on this team to win, but you are grossly mismanaging that talent. So shame on, shame on Miami because you're right. This is one of the most talented teams that no one will get to see because they're going to be losing 80 games, 90 games. Yeah, I think 
to me, watching the Rises, like I said, a fun kid to watch play the game. Um, and, you know, they, they, they have some talent and a lot of good young arms, uh, for sure. You know, Washington, as I said, I think this team is going to be challenging Oakland for the worst record in the league this year. But what I will say with Washington is uh, there are some guys to watch on this team as they continue to develop because I think they're going to be hurt from in future seasons. A guy like Kiber Ruiz behind the plate. Uh, a guy like uh, a guy like the kid Thomas in center field. Um, another guy, Josiah Gray, uh, who came out of the, uh, from the Dodgers. Uh, he's pitched pretty well his first uh, few times out for this team. Uh, they're not great defensively. They don't really hit the ball well. Um, but this is a uh, this is a team. Connor Joe, former Rocky, just hit the home run for Pittsburgh tonight against uh, St. Louis, and uh, the Pirates have a three nothing lead right now in that game. But I digress and go back to uh, the Nationals. Uh, Abrams, they're gonna at least plug him in for a while at shortstop and give him a long audition to figure out um, if he can be that guy. And they just hit another one. Oh wait, they're just doing the replay. Never mind, this game's over. I didn't know. <laughs> I heard home run because I just flipped to it for a second to see where it was, and they're doing post game highlights. So uh, anyway, it's it's four nothing. No, the highlight. I don't know what the final score is. I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, but th- there are some young prospects in Washington that if you want to, uh, you know, check out this team to see what you may may have in future seasons. But um, listen, if you're if you're showing up at Nationals Park this year, um, you're going to be seeing some of those young prospects. But you're also showing up. Let's be real to see the other team. Yeah, listen. Uh, Abrams is a second baseman. Um, he has the the ability to play shortstop. His arm is a little too scattershot for me. Um, he's got a very strong arm, but his footwork is extremely subpar, uh, which is why he makes a lot of throwing errors. So I would put him at second base. I think he, to me, he projects more as a second baseman than he does a third baseman. Um, he's a guy who can play short, short for you. I mean, I said, said third, uh, second baseman instead of a shortstop. Listen, Nationals fans. If you're willing to go through the growing pains, in two years you're going to have a team contending for the National League. That's how much talent they've acquired. The kid Ruiz is going to be a beast. Um, they have young pitching on the come. They got a lot of good young talent. So the whole thing with the Nationals fans is they just they just got to be patient. That's all. They just got to be patient, but they got a team on the come. Um, next year, I think, is where they're going to start to see some of the fruits of, of some of their patience. And then the year after, I think they'll be really ready to contend. You got a World Series a couple of years ago, Washington, so just hang on and, and work your way back up. Uh, you know, another kid, you talk about young pitching. Uh, Bo, he's pitched a couple times this year, and I'm impressed. Uh, you know, he kind of struggled when he got a couple call-ups in uh, San Diego, but I'm impressed with the early returns so far this season that I've seen out of Mackenzie Gore um, as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, that uh, kid's arm is electric. Oh my gosh, for a lefty, for a lefty, yeah. I mean this kid's this kid. This, listen, it's easy gas. That's easy yeah. gas for a lefty. All right, and mm-hmm. the thing is, his breaking stuff, 
He has plus breaking stuff. He just can't control it right now. But listen, that kid is, man, look, that is an ace. That is a budding ace of a staff right there. Okay? They just, you, like I said, you just got to be patient with these kids. You just got to be patient. I'm glad that San Diego is willing to spend the money because the one thing that you can count on with A.J. Preller is he's going to trade away young studs who are going to make a difference <laughs> on other rosters. Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, and still right now, uh, until Strider can get to where he's going deeper in games, which I think he will, and I think he will supplant him over the next year or two. But until he does, uh, listen, let's not make any bones. Max Fried's been the best pitcher in Atlanta over the last three seasons. And, yeah, yeah. And he and he may be again if he gets back healthy. Um, you know, he he looked the part of an ace in spring training, tuning up for the season. But Max Fried's another guy, you know, that came from that San Diego system. Um, and it's not just Atlanta and Washington that has benefited from young players in San Diego who have gone to other places and really been able to find success and reach those projections. So, um, listen, it's probably a good thing that they're getting veterans and doing it this way because um, A.J. Preller has never seen a prospect that he wasn't willing to trade. Uh, I don't care who they are. And yet he still manages to keep enough to keep his, his farm system replenished. Yep, exactly. Um, so, you know, looking around the league, it, it, it's fun to see, you know, Montana, I'm just excited to have baseball every day. Now, you and I went into a lot of detail on this before. Um, I'm going to tell you as far as the early returns, uh, I'm okay with the rule changes right now uh, for a couple reasons. Yeah. I, 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 it is pushing the game along. You, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have like the whole Nomar Garcia power stepping out, readjusting your gloves, taking like five minutes between pitches. You know, once an at bat starts, you can't really turn away anymore. It, you, you might turn away between at bats, but you turn away that next pitch is coming. And then I've even started to see some fans kind of have fun with it when the opposing pitcher's on the mound and they're counting down the pitch clock at them, you know, as they're going to pitch or whatever. So, um, and then. The number of steals have gone up. The success rate for steals, the batting average around the league has gone up so far. Uh, we'll see, you know, if that if that continues. But we're seeing a lot more action on the base pass, a lot more things kind of getting put in play. And some hard-hit balls that were out in previous seasons are turning into some hits. Um, so, I, so far, the early returns for me, even though, I, I, you know, initially I wasn't necessarily a fan of the rules themselves, but the result that I've seen from these changes, I think, has been very positive in the early going so far. Yeah, like, like I said, my only issue with it was part of the reason it was done was to satisfy these whiny announcers always complaining about the length of games, even though they're being paid to, to talk about baseball. But as far as it moving, as far as action in the game and allowing guys to be um, – uh, athletic and, and seeing infielders actually make great plays and guys stealing bases. Oh my God, people are bunting again. People are hitting and running. Oh, listen, I don't have to go there and sit there for three hours and watch 17 people strike out. Okay? People are actually hitting, putting the ball in play. So in, from that aspect, yeah, the rule changes have absolutely turned this back into the game that we all fell in love with. 
And, you know, I do like um, – I, I like the fact that these games are – you know, I, I want to hear the stories and I want to hear different things, but, you know, these games are, are ending in a cool two and a half hours, sometimes sooner in pitchers' duels, but even like your long games are 238, 240, uh, 245 at most. Um, and so, you know, selfishly being a person in the central time zone, and I would think even the eastern time zone people would think this too sometimes is um, – you know, you know, I'm kind of a night owl, so it really didn't bother me beforehand. But working the next morning, you know, I'm not up past midnight still waiting on these games to end. By midnight, I'm tabulating what I was going on for the day. You know what I mean? And then can uh, put it up and uh, you know climb and climb and bet. So um, I do like that that piece to it. And like I said, I I feel like as an ADD kid myself, I, I feel like that uh, I, I can't divert my attention as much because I'm going to miss something now. And so I, I, I do appreciate that about the game right now. So Tanner, we yeah, we got gone, about three minutes. Yeah, we have gone around uh, baseball, talked about things. I think next week we'll kind of update some stuff uh, sports-wise. We've kind of hit on some other stories. Is there anything else you want to bring up or mention real quick before we get ready to uh, – Clean up the dishes, man. Mop the floors and uh, and turn the lights off here. Roundtable gumbo. Yeah, what they did to the heavy gunner in the Mandalorian um, was awful. It was terrible. It made me cry. Um, he's a great character, and with the sacrifice he made for the greater good in the last episode is just amazing. And if you're not watching the Mandalorian, then you need to watch the Mandalorian. I don't care if you don't like Star Wars. You go watch the Mandalorian. Is the greatest thing in the history of the universe. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, he was telling me at the beginning of the show before we ever started off uh, tonight. That's something I need to check out. So I'll, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely check that out. Um, shout out to uh, TP Timeless uh, Villain, uh, Mr. Barry Jordan and the Jordan Foundation. Everything going on in his family. Also to Sirius Simmons, uh, Mr. Controversy James Greenwood. Um, see these guys in the group chat some, but haven't done a show with them. Used to do the baseball show last year, um, but Nate and Dave as well, so shout out to you guys. Anybody in the Sports Chef family, man, sportscitychefs.com. Check out the blogs, the websites, uh, articles, every, everything we've got going on. Just remember, you can also pull us up on your smart speakers. Just ask your uh, device to play Sports City Chefs. It'll give you an episode number, so you know, if you end up listening, uh, say, Sunday, and you get the timeless Sunday morning brunch, which he and I do at 11 a.m. Eastern, and you want to hear this uh, baseball show, ask for the previous episode, and away you go. Uh, but as we say in Louisiana, man, laissez-les-bon-temps-roulés, go, go Tigers, man, national champion. Got a number one ranked uh, uh, baseball team as well with possibly two of the top three picks in the draft. So, uh, definitely enjoying the college baseball side of it. Uh, spring football getting kicked up. Um, ready to continue to enjoy uh, baseball. Glad we got the warm weather months coming in. And it's uh, time to says as he closes out every show, man, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Many thanks to you, Chandler. And I look forward to doing this again next week. Peace. All right, but Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs.
Sports City, Sports City. Kaboom, Sports City chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell-